We're going to be looking at Psalm 121 today. I'm excited for all the things that God has ahead of us. And he has great things ahead of us. This is what Psalm 121 says. Let's read it together. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out, your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Praise be to God for his word. Isn't that a wonderful psalm? It's beautiful, isn't it? I have a question for you, though. What do some of these things mean? It sounds really nice, right? He's your keeper. He'll not let your foot be moved. He doesn't slumber or sleep. The sun will not strike you by day. Those are kind of wonderful things to talk about. They sound really positive and affirming. And yet, at the same time, I think a lot of us are not 100% sure what it's talking about. We kind of have the idea. God's protecting us, right? But what, what does that mean? If you look at Psalm 121, right, uh, from the little headings, these are not actually part of the original Hebrew Bible. Uh, but the little heading right above your 121, what does it say? My help comes from the Lord. Uh, the Psalms were basically the songbook of the Hebrews. And so the, the Israelites, as they came to gather for worship, these were the songs that they, that they actually sang. They came together and used these for public worship. And so this song, that's sort of the title of it, if you will. Again, not the actual necessarily in the Hebrew. Um, but the song of ascent is actually something that's in there that helps us understand what kind of way that this psalm was being used for worship. And the song of ascent was a song that was used when the people in a pilgrimage were coming to Jerusalem where the temple was located. Because if they were going to do anything official with God, they needed to be where he was, and his home, if you will, was in the temple. And the reason for that was he had his Ark of the Covenant, like a throne, seated in the temple, and so that was the, the seat of his authority, the seat of his power, the seat of his administration to Israel. And so when the people came to Jerusalem, they actually had to ascend because Jerusalem is literally higher in elevation than most other parts of Israel. And so as the people came, they ascended up toward Jerusalem and they were coming to where God was, if you will, to worship and be close to him. And so in the song of ascent, the context is walking a lot. Now, David ran 1.2 miles or 12, depending on how you look at that number. Have you ever gone a long distance walking? It's, you know, it starts off great, doesn't it? Way better than running. You start running and immediately your body's like, what are we doing? You know, but you start walking, you're like, I got this. I feel great. I got this. And then as you approach some distance, things start happening to you. And it doesn't always feel great. Uh, when I was in the military, we used to do a lot of ruck marches, they were called, or forced marches which meant we had a backpack on with all of our gear, and then we would walk 10 or 12 or 15 miles wherever we were going. And so those marches were fast. They were not a saunter. And so we would walk and we would go quickly as we were marching down the road in a staggered formation with distance between each person. And then maybe we had you know, 160 people out on this march or 40 people on the march or whatever. However many people we had, it was more than a couple. 
And if you've ever been in a line somewhere, have you ever noticed that line's always kind of accordion? You know what I'm talking about? Like they, they stretch out and they come back. Well, if you've got, say, 160 people in a special line where the spacing is significant and somebody at the front gets a little tired and slows down and then speeds up, all of a sudden you get big gaps and you got to really hustle to keep up. So one of these ruck marches uh, was not a pleasant experience because it was not just, you were not just out for a walk. You had 65 pounds or 80 pounds or whatever on your back and you were half running, half walking to keep up with everybody. And that's just how it went for mile after mile after mile after mile after mile until you finished, you know, 15 miles. And that, it was not pleasant. One of the things that was really difficult about that is you don't get to stop. There are no breaks. And so as you're walking, if you, don't, if you haven't broken in your boots well or you're not used to wearing boots, man, you're in for a rough time because you just got to keep going. Keep that kind of imagery in mind when we think about this psalm. That it's an ascent up to Jerusalem. There's a great expectation of something God's doing. We're going to go up there to worship, and it's going to be fantastic. And yet to get there is a road that has lots of dangers, is a road that has lots of pitfalls, is a road where if you're not wearing the right boots, you could be in trouble. And it's going to be a long walk. And so the psalmist says here, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And he's not just talking about, I think during the day as I'm sitting in my lounge chair, where is the Lord? He's walking and walking and walking, and it's dusty and he's tired. Have you ever noticed when you start walking a long time what you tend to do? Everybody tends to do. You fixate on the ground, and you just kind of go, because you're just watching for what's in front of you. And so this guy has been doing that for a long time and is now pressing his eyes up to look again for what? For help. For help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It's easy to get stuck looking down. It's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to feel that burnout of walking for a long time. It's time to raise our eyes again. It's time to see Jesus. It's time to look up and find where our help comes from. I love in verse 3 here, it says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber, nor will he sleep. I remember what sleep was like once. It was so nice when you get like four straight hours uninterrupted. You know what's different about having your fifth baby? that they don't tell you about is there's four other ones who also need help during the night and they continually wake up and sometimes they wake up each other. Ooh, yeah, pray for me. We've been in that, that mode. Sleep is good, isn't it? We, you know, your body needs sleep to live. You actually need sleep to live. If you don't have sleep, you will die. Isn't that an incredible thing? Because let's think about the world, right? If you are sleeping, you are vulnerable. You are straight vulnerable. I watched a video recently of some people in India who were sleeping on a mat on the ground, and a cobra came in and slithered over the top of them while they were sleeping. It was a, a woman and her daughter, and went over the top of them because they were warm, and then just went out. They were none the wiser. They didn't wake up, and they wanted to, you know, they were finding things moved in their house and stuff, so they wanted to know what was going on. It's a cobra! 
That's craziness. First of all, because snakes are gross. But secondly, that's, that's, inc that's just an incredible thing. Could you imagine something? It's awful. But you know, here's the thing. You don't know what happens when you sleep because you're sleeping. So unless you watch the video or the surveillance, you have no idea. We have a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. You know why that's important? Is because when you're walking up a hill for a long time, and you're on a pilgrimage where there are not wonderful cars and trains and things like that that you can take, and you're trying to get to, to Jerusalem, and the road is sometimes pretty dangerous, you don't know what's going to happen to you while you're sleeping. And if all of you in your party fall asleep, it opens you up to dangers that are life-threatening. Because the robbers on the road do not care about your life. And so one of the things that is happening here, when it talks about that he will not allow your foot to be moved, he who keeps you will not slumber, there's an acknowledgement that you have to slumber. You have to sleep. You have to rest. But we have a God who's guarding us day and night, that while we are vulnerable, he is strong. That while we are resetting and, and resting, he is not resetting and resting. He is on the guard. He's watching. He won't let your foot be moved. There's a double meaning here, isn't there? Because if you're walking up a big mountain pass to try to get to Jerusalem, it's easy to slip on rocks. And so you'll say, Lord, don't let my foot be moved. I want to have solid footing. That's true. But also, at the nighttime when you're vulnerable, what can happen to you? What could happen to you? And in the unknown of that question, whatever movements might take place, God is watching out for you. That the Lord himself is the one who is not slumbering, but keeping us safe. You won't actually lose ground. You won't be harmed during his defense of all the things that are happening here. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade, is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Oh, Lord, keep me. Keep me safe. Lord, keep my kids safe. Lord, keep us from harm. Keep us, all those kind of prayers, right? God is our keeper. He keeps us. What other things are kept? Animals are kept, right? You've got to keep track of the animals. You've got to save them. This is shepherding language. He's our keeper. He's our shepherd. He's the one who's watching his flock. He's the one who's moving us forward. He's keeping us as a shepherd keeps his flock. Here's the beautiful part about that, though. He is our shade on our right hand. What an interesting thing to say. And one of the things that we think about here that we miss in this context is whenever people would be in battle lines and fight together and have to defend each other, they always put the best fighter on the far right side. And the reason for that is most people are right-handed. So on the far right side, your best fighter would have be free to use their sword without somebody else standing there. And the worst fighters are inside. And so whoever's the best champion, the best warrior, the best fighter is always going to be to the far right. So on your right side, there's going to be a shadow because the champion is there. You are not free to try to swing your sword because he's there holding you in his shadow. It's kind of like when you're driving, if we were in England and the, and the steering wheel was on the other side, because it's on the right, you know. It's kind of like when you're driving and something happens and somebody reaches out to stop you as if they are the seatbelt. That's the shade that's implied here. 
is the best driver is sitting in that seat and he's moving us forward. And whenever something comes up that needs to be defended or something happens and we say, oh Lord, help me. He's already keeping us. The keeper shepherd, the great champion of all life is already there with his arms stretched out because he's fighting all the battles for us. And his right arm is stronger. This is why the same language is used in Exodus when uh, God delivers his people from Egypt. He says, I have delivered you by my strong right arm, the warrior's arm. He's a better fighter than we are. And the beautiful fact of that is, as we sleep, as we slumber, as we get tired, as our eyes come down, as we don't see the dangers around us, we have a great champion on our right side who is ever with us, who never slumbers or sleeps, who's walking us forward, who keeps us as a shepherd keeps his sheep to keep us moving into the paths of righteousness where we need to go. The Lord is your keeper. He's the shade on your right hand. This defensive imagery is really important to us. It's interesting that this kind of imagery is used. It actually is reminiscent of some of the things that uh, Samuel uses when he first comes into ministry and his mother and father uh, deliver him to the temple that I'm not going to read now for sake of time. So you can just do a Bible study yourself on that stuff. But what's really incredible here is that God is moving us forward into something that he wants us to do. And the climb is tough. Think about this for a moment. Where are these people? Where are they physically? It's Israel, right? What does Israel look like? Rocky, hot, it's hilly, it's desert mostly. It's not Ireland with green lush grasses. It's not Missouri with humidity that could boil an egg. And we tend to think of walking somewhere like we're walking in Disneyland. And it's hot and humid and sticky and gross and we're tired and that's what we tend to think of when we think of this kind of imagery of ascending to a place. But the reality of the writers here is that the people hearing it are, have a context of a desert. The desert's a really interesting place because as you go there, um, it's, unlike, it's unlike anything else in the world. Um, a really, and I'm talking a really hot, real desert, not just like, you know, touristy kind of desert. Uh, when it's really hot, the sensation of how the sun hits you is very different than it is, say, here in Missouri. Has anybody, has anybody experienced it? been to a desert, what's it feel like? It's like the heat sucks the air out of your lungs. And then you're wet, but you're dry because you're sweating so much because you're hot. But as soon as the sweat hits anything outside your clothes, it evaporates. That's why when you see pictures of like the Bedouin people who are nomads in the desert, they have a lot of clothes on. Because you would think, oh, well, you know, why don't they just run around in swimsuits? They don't because they need to retain the moisture because it's evaporating away so fast that it's dehydrating them before they can refill. It's killing them, literally. And so when the word here tells us, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night, it's talking about being in this desert and walking forward and feeling the moisture evaporate away from you so fast that you can't retain it. And God is not only shading us as a warrior who's protecting us, he's also shading us from the sun, which will fry you like a piece of bacon. And he's protecting us in every way. Nor will the moon strike us by night. You know, the moon can be wonderful and it can be dangerous. 
Because on a really bright moonlit night, that's when the bad guys can see enough to do things. And so if you're walking, you're cognizant of all these things. To just to get to Jerusalem, I am risking my life. And I'm so tired that I want to just pull my head down. And instead, I'm looking up to say, Lord, where does my help come from? And the answer is, it's him. It's him. It's, it's God. Have you ever been to Disney? Disney is awesome, fabulous, wonderful place, and where dreams are shattered. It is both those things. Have you ever seen a family who's just done at a place like Disney or Six Flags or Raging Rivers or whatever? It's cool and it's hot. Anybody? Have you seen those families that are just done? What do they look like? They're not walking around, right? They're, they're done. They're so, get in here. Let's go. And after four hours of waiting for whatever ride, done. Have you ever seen one of those families just pile themselves into an air-conditioned restaurant? I've been that family. <laughs> it's me. And they get in there, and as soon as you hit the air conditioning in the shade, you never want to leave. And this is why Disney can charge $32 for a pretzel. It's because you walk in there, you're like, buy them all! Sodas! This Mickey cup? Okay! What, kids? You put your burgers? $70? No problem! Because you just don't want to leave the air conditioning. That's all it comes down to. And you sit down and, oh, thank you, Jesus. And the kids are so, hey, let's ride the next ride. Let's ride the next ride. And you're just done. And all you want to do is take a nap. That's all you want to do. We've all felt those kind of things before. If I can just get in the restaurant out of the heat, if I can just sit down, I might stay here forever. That kind of feeling. You know what's interesting? It's comfort. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of seeing the advancement of the kingdom. Because we start walking and we feel God pulling us toward himself. And he says, come up to my mountain. This is where I am. Now here's the great secret. The Lord who died for us and rose again. He's with us always. And yet he presses us forward into all of his purposes and all the things he's called us to. And all the things he's accomplishing in the world. And it feels tiring. Because as we're walking, it's not always sure footing. As we're walking, we feel vulnerable to dangers. As we're walking, we feel like the sun is just scorching us. As we're walking, we feel like all the moisture is evaporating away. And we're just open to all kind of attack. And we just don't know what's happening. And Lord, are you even there? And we look up to the heavens and we say, Lord, where does my help come from? And the great truth of the Bible is that God who never left us sent his son who set his face like flint to walk to this same place in Jerusalem because he was going to go and pay the price that he would never leave us or forsake us. For him to actually indwell us and be with us and close to us, it required his blood. And he died for us so that when we look up and say, Lord, where does my help come from? He responds from next to you. He's not far away. He doesn't say, just come up the mountain and you'll see me. He says, I got, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let's keep walking. It'll be great. Don't let the lullaby of comfort, the lullaby of the enemy's lie about comfort to stop you in your tracks. Because sometimes when we get into the air conditioning, we're so happy just to be in the restaurant. We're so happy just to feel some relief of the heat that we feel like we want to stay in there forever. And it's the enemy's lulling us to sleep 
because the context of this psalm is not. God has delivered us. He's the shade in our right hand, and therefore stay where you are until we're magically transported to where we're going to be. It's not the context. The context is, then in the morning, stand up refreshed, because you have rested while he did not sleep or slumber, and take the next step into what God has for us. That's the context. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord will keep you in himself. The beautiful thing about this psalm, the beautiful power of God that's in us, is that Christ Jesus, who died and rose again, is moving us forward. For all of us who felt refreshing today, you know, we believe in speaking in tongues. We speak in tongues, just for clarity's sake, if anybody's questioning. We speak in tongues. We believe the Bible. We believe in miracles. We believe that God is moving. We believe that God is doing things. We believe that God has an agenda of restoration that will come to pass because he is the great king of the world. We believe that there is a king on the throne, and his name is Jesus, and he is over all things. And there is no flood or storm so great. There is no sin so great. There is no topple of a nation so great. There is no political crisis so great that God is dethroned. He is forever the king of the world. Forever. And yet, if you can be lulled into a place of comfort where it's just enough air conditioning that you don't feel like we need to go outside, everything seems to stop. And why is that? It's because the great king of the world has chosen you and me and us collectively, that we would be his representatives, that we would be his ambassadors, that we would go forward and we would go somewhere in what he has called us to. Where is he going? Where is he taking us? We're not headed back to physical Jerusalem anymore. Where are we going? We're going to a place where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills everything and every person and every business and every family, and every school, and every hospital, and everything, because his name will be glorified. That's what he's after. And so don't let your heart be troubled by the cares and concerns of all the things happening. Instead, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when you say, Lord, help me, remember, he is already our keeper. He is already holding us fast. Here are two things that you can do in response to Psalm 121. The first one is, and it's a really positive, take a nap. Take a nap. Isn't that great? Everybody's like, oh, wow, that's, that sounds so nice, doesn't it? That sounds wonderful. Take a nap. Jesus Christ himself, our God and defender and champion, will neither slumber nor sleep. What is it that's keeping you up where you can't take a nap? Really, homework? It's business, it's finance, it's the weeds in the yard, it's the relationship stuff with somebody, it's because we're out of peanut butter, it's because whatever, right? All these cares and concerns come in, all these things happen, and they rob you of sleep. And Psalm 121 is telling us, our God who is our defender neither slumbers nor sleeps, and so you can. And the peanut butter will still be a problem when you wake up, but you know what? You will have strength in Jesus Christ to go get the peanut butter. And the finances will not magically go away. But you know what? The Lord will make a way. He will help us. And it might be in a way we don't expect, 
It might not be winning the lottery. It might be something else. But you know what? He's going to be faithful. And so we can rest our eyes and say, Lord, I trust you that I don't have to be awake every moment to find that right deal. I don't have to be awake every moment to, to scour the news to find out some glimpse of hope that something good is happening. I can trust you. I can rest my eyes. Whew, thank you. Take a nap like that. And then when you wake up, resolve in your mind, you're going to step forward into everything he has for you and walk forward into what God's called us to and see his restoration and see his life. So the second thing we do is, as we seek God, we move forward. What does that look like? It looks like come to the summer conference. Come to the summer conference. Call somebody in the church and encourage them in Jesus Christ. Reach out, not to a stranger, but to a friend or a neighbor, somebody you've had on your heart for years, and boldly say to them, you need to know Jesus. I want to meet with you tomorrow. And see what God does. Let's see what he does. You know what's incredible? I think sometimes we think that God is going to shake us awake somehow, and then there's going to be some kind of new administration where some, something new will happen that we didn't expect, and it's going to come totally out of left field. Have you ever heard somebody say this before? I know it's God because I didn't even look for it. Just all of a sudden it happened, so it must be God. Sometimes that's totally true. Sometimes it's, it's him. But we use that as an excuse sometimes. Because most of the time, God is super duper 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 smart. And 35 years ago, he put somebody in your life that he said, I'm going to do a miracle with this person. And for 35 years, you're going to pray for them. You're going to seek out what God has for them. You're going to trust that I'm doing things. They're going to be ridiculous. And then I will show you my deliverance. That's usually what it looks like. And so probably the person that God has put in your life that you can be a refreshment to, that you can be life to, that you can tell about Jesus, you already know them. You already know them. It's not just the checker person at Schnucks that you don't know, but you're wondering if there's an opportunity. Take a risk and call your friend, your brother, your sister. Take a risk. Let's see what God does. Amen? Have a great nap today. Really, I'm going to take one, I hope. The children won't let me. I'm going to tell you right now, Lisa will get one. She's not in here so I can say this. She'll get one. I'm, it's not going to happen, but it's okay. But that's why I need to go to the marriage thing, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just playing. Hey, the Lord is with you. He's your keeper. He's not going to slumber or sleep. He is our salvation. Let me pray for you. The Lord keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be blessed this week. Be refreshed. Smell the scent of water. Feel it coming up your ankles, your knees, your waist, and be deluged in it. That you would just be filled with him in all things. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Friday.